Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. How many times have we heard during this campaign season talk of the American experiment, our founding fathers, and the birth of our republic? The fact is that those events were not preordained. The revolution, the victory of the Continental Army, the success of Washington, and the country that followed could have easily gone another way. There were many times when the revolution might have failed. Given our politics today, that might not have been such a bad idea. In any case, it's still hard to believe that there are untold stories from that effort, stories that still prove instructive, informative, and most of all, inspirational. My guest, Patrick O'Donnell, is a master of telling those stories of our military heroes. Patrick O'Donnell is a best-selling military historian and the critically acclaimed author of 10 previous books, including Beyond Valor, Dog Company, and First Seals. He's provided historical consulting to the award-winning miniseries Band of Brothers, and he's also advised on documentaries for the BBC and the History Channel. It is my pleasure to welcome Patrick O'Donnell back to this program to talk about his latest work, Washington's Immortals, the untold story of an elite regiment who changed the course of the revolution. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, it's great to be back on. You know, I've been writing books for 17 years, and I think you've interviewed me since my first book, Beyond Valor, which was published 15 years ago. So it's kind of like coming home. It's always a pleasure to go to be back on your show. Well, it's great to have you here. Of course, that makes us feel, both of us feel a lot older. However, that's the other <laughs> side of that. This story that you tell that took place during the revolution, it is uh, very much an untold story, one that's certainly been forgotten over the years. Talk a little bit about why you think that is. What was it about this story that, that kind of fell between the cracks? Washington's Immortals is the first Band of Brothers-style treatment of the American Revolution, and it focuses in on the elite Maryland, 1st Maryland Regiment, as well as the Maryland line that fought through every major battle during the American Revolution. But they get their beginning in the Battle of Brooklyn, which was the largest battle of the American Revolution. And it was, a, it was one of those times in the, during the war that everything could have been lost, and the sacrifices of 400 men, it was kind of an American thermopylae. These Americans, these Marylanders, charged several times into a stone house that was occupied by Lord Cornwallis. And their sacrifices allowed the rest of the army to escape through a, a hole in the British lines and escape back into fortifications at, at, at Brooklyn Heights. And it's an epic story. They, they, they Many of the men were the flower of the South. They were the, the richest men in Baltimore, um, from some of the wealthiest families in Baltimore and Annapolis and Maryland. And they volunteered uh, willingly uh, for the cause, and they fought incredibly bravely. They sacrificed their lives. And what made it compelling is there's a mystery there, too. Because buried, the, the sacrifice of these men is, is almost unsung, and their bodies still to this day are in an empty lot near the site of, of this epic charge. And they have, it remains undiscovered. It's one of the great mysteries of the American Revolution. And I found a rusted old sign that said, here lie 256 Continental Soldiers, Maryland Heroes. And that just compelled me to write this book. I wanted to try to help solve this mystery of the mass grave. And I wanted to know the story behind the sign and the story behind these men. And it's an extraordinary one. It's an extraordinary story of sacrifice, of betrayal in many cases where fellow Americans betrayed the cause, uh, where loyal Americans or traitors, if you will, in some cases, 
de, 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 um, betrayed the Maryland line and the men that they fought with. Um, but it's also a story about men that marched 4,600 miles barefoot in a two-and-a-half-year period to fight one of the most adaptable armies of the world at the time, the British Army and, and their allies, mercenaries, Hessians, in every major battle during the American Revolution. And what we're finding today is this book's in its fourth reprint. It's the number one book on Amazon, and it's it's resonating with people because they are looking at the state of this country now, and they're wondering how we got here, and they're angry. There's and this is on both sides of the aisle, and they're starting to now look back at where we where we came from. In the founding of this country, this book, Washington's Immortals, is about the founding of this country. It's about people that just believed beyond all belief that they could do it and, and do some impossible things. And and that's, um, you know, it's a story about not only um, rich white guys, but the Maryland line was composed of 7 to 9% African Americans that were free. And it's the first time. You know, we don't repeat that until the 19, late 1940s where we have an integrated army. And it's a, it's a story between all classes and races that come together to fight one of the greatest armies of the world at the time and, and really create a miracle. The American Revolution is a miracle that we won the war. And it, it also goes to the heart of exactly that point that Washington's army, that the Continental Army, was in a lot of trouble in the Battle of Brooklyn and that it could have easily lost. <laughs> what most people don't realize is that the Continental Army was in a lot of trouble for eight long years of war. If it wasn't for men like the Maryland and Delaware regiments that were always there, they, st they were the backbone of this army in its darkest days when the army is destroyed, and the army is destroyed multiple times. For instance, in the South at a battle called Camden, Cornwallis destroys the American army under Gates, and, and but the core group of Marylanders and Delaware men in this book, they survive and they rebuild an army over it. And this happens multiple times during the war. And these men are always there. And they're, they're just dependable. They're ardent believers in the cause. For instance, the, the founder of the man that is one of the few survivors of the attack on Cornwallis, his name is Mordecai Gist. And Gist, the story begins in a wintry day in 1774, where Gist is a very wealthy merchant. He's a sea captain. He trades in goods with England. And his livelihood is is um, is being curtailed by the the crown. The, 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 there's a boycott at Boston where thousands of men are thrown out of work. The, the trading is becoming more and more difficult because you know bureaucracy in London is constantly messing with things. And Gist does the unthinkable. He throws his whole career on the line, and he puts his fortune. Uh, he quits his his merchant his lucrative merchant job and and, and decides to to create the Baltimore Independent Cadets or the the Baltimore Independent Company, which is later known, which is the heart of all of this. And men of um, family, fortune, and honor come together in a tavern, sixty men, and they sign their death warrants. I mean, they're 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 treasonous at the time. Uh, they're traitors to the crown, but they pledge their support to one another and that they would fight within 48 hours' notice of any of their sister colonies if they were attacked by the British. And they decide to outfit themselves with the best weapons and, and uniforms that money can buy, and they begin to train. 
and it's quite a fascinating. I, I spent six years researching Washington's immortals, going through literally thousands, tens of thousands of letters and pension files and different diaries and things. And I found Gist's letters in there at the Maryland Historical Society. And one of the letters, the early letters that I was so amazing was a prophetic letter that was signed. It was from an anonymous source. He signed his name as Agamemnon, the king of, of Greece that united Greece against invasion. And they they noticed what these men were doing and training and stuff like that. And he predicted a year before the Battle of Brooklyn that these men would be American Spartans and would would endure an, an, an American Thermopylae. And that's what they did. I mean, it, they're called even immortals in the letter. It's it's an unbelievable premonition a year before the Battle of Brooklyn that these men would be facing ten, uh, literally thousands of British and Hessian soldiers, and that's exactly what they did. And they saved the United States then, and they saved the Army in multiple battles, like at Cowpens, at Guilford Courthouse throughout the South. They were at Yorktown, Brandywine. Nearly every major battle during the war, they were there. And to what extent was were there strategic decisions that were made that shaped these what they did, shaped the battles that they were in, and how much of it really was just their individual effort, their kind of grassroots effort in knowing what had to be done to keep the army alive? So much of that is is what you find in the book. It's it boils down to leadership in many ways, extraordinary leadership, men that were willing to sacrifice their lives and their fortunes for the cause. And it's, uh, in many cases, it's, it's a single individual um, that is the difference between victory and defeat. And that's what's so incredible, that their collective efforts, along with many other Americans, at these key points, during these inflection points during the revolution really change history and their collective efforts make a difference. And, uh, the book is, is filled with a lot of heroic and courageous accounts, but it's also filled with a lot of nuance and shocking details about the American revolution, which is long and bloody where men literally change sides on the, in the American Revolution, where men that these men, the Marylanders trusted, literally would would switch over to the British, and I mean that's that was the the, the challenge. This is an American Civil War that most people don't realize, as well as you overlay that with like hyperinflation, where men were not getting paid properly. The Marylanders even went. There was an, uh, one of the accounts that I found in the New Jersey, when they were in the sort of occupation duty, if you will, in New Jersey, the men were forced to buy their own uniforms and supplies, and they were not being supplied by the Continental Army. They were being paid with worthless money, Continentals. And people, they were starving, and they were naked, and they mutinied. And it's, it's it, you know, it's just unbelievable that some of these men mutinied, but they were able to even suppress that and, and still come together. And But that's the challenge, the, the difficulty, extreme hardship that these men went through, uh, you know, marching 4,600 miles, fighting the toughest army in the world at the time, and somehow pulling it off. 
What role did Washington play in motivating these men and really in directing them? It's, he recognizes from the Battle of Brooklyn that he has somebody, that these are special men. And he then assigns them to, unfortunately for them, or fortunately, however you, know, you want to look at it, to some of the most difficult tasks, which tragically cost many of them their lives. But they're typically the rear guard, or they're used as a strike force when the battle is going horribly wrong. And let me give you a couple examples. One is, uh, I wrote a, a, an article called The Bridge That Saved America. And here at a place called Assunpink Creek, at the Battle of Trenton, the second Battle of Trenton, which most people have no clue about. I mean, after we victoriously rode across the, the Delaware River and, and, and took out Johann Rawls uh, regiment on uh, regiments, I should say, on Christmas Day, Washington rode back across the river. And most people don't realize is that they, they captured the rum ration in uh Johann Rawls rum ration in Trenton and it was a drunken cruise across the Delaware <laughs> but they made it across and they planned to stay on that on the on the Pennsylvania side of the Delaware because it offered safety against the British army but what happened is a militia unit under a guy by the name of John Cadwallader and his Philadelphia associators it's something that was created earlier by Benjamin Franklin they crossed back over the Delaware the next day because they were initially part of the assault force on Trenton and Washington suddenly had 3,000 men on the wrong side of the river, and he had to make decisions. Does he stay back, try to get them back, or does he go back over? And he goes back over, and it sets up an epic battle. Uh, Cornwallis rallies the army with over eight or 9,000 men, and Washington sets up at a place called Assunpeak Creek, which is on the eastern side of Trenton, and there's one stone bridge that is the primary or crucial crossing point of the Assunpink uh, Creek. And it must be taken at all costs by Cornwallis. If he can break through that bridge, he can destroy the American army. And it sets up another Thermopylae-type situation where the remnants of the, the Delaware and um, Maryland line, in the Washington's immortals, are near that, uh, on that bridge. And Washington himself is right on the bridge, too. His horse is literally pressing against the side of the bridge. And I have an amazing account of one of those soldiers right on the bridge. And his, his, the side of his, his body is touching Washington's boot. And he says how the, the general's countenance just inspired courage because he was standing there right next to his men. And they held that bridge against three British bayonet assault charges. And the bridge was coated with blood and gore. Bodies literally piled up on the bridge. And, you know, they held. And then they set it. It sets up an epic um, attack on, the, on Princeton. He goes north. Instead of retreating, he attacks north and wins at the Battle of Princeton. You know, it's, what's striking is that bridge, those stones, some of the stones from that bridge are still there. The bridge itself, spans of that original fabric are there, and it's unmarked. It's not even known. I mean, this is, there's nothing there to indicate what, what happened and, and how we almost lost the United States at that crucial point. And, and that's what I, you know, I, I just, I'm struck by the fact that where we see, like, incredible uh, you know, markings of Civil War battlefields and, and such, 
there's hardly anything for the for many of these Revolutionary War battlefields. Why is that? Do you think? Why, with I with all the know, the history Jeff. that is around us, why is there so little of that history? I don't know, and I'm I'm just I'm thrilled that the Civil War uh, Trust Fund now has a, a, a section called Campaign 1776, and they're trying to do something about it. And I and I'm I'm trying to do something about it because it bothers me that sites that are that you can't put a value on the on, on those sites because they this is about the forging of a nation of the greatest nation on the on the earth we would not be here had it not been some of these these places it's hallowed ground men lost their lives it doesn't deserve to be bulldozed and developed <laughs> and it's got to be stopped I mean, this is stuff, in, and it's so important in today's climate that we understand where we came from. There's so many lessons learned. I mean, it, it's that we can learn from that generation that will apply today in terms of sacrifice, duty. And I, I mean, I just I was struck by how these men, the rhetoric that they had, the political rhetoric matched the way, in many cases, the way that they fought on the battlefield. And what I mean, for instance, is Washington himself was a great leader. He believed in treating people with respect. Prisoners, American prisoners were often executed on the battlefield or sent to these prison hulks and rotted to death and were, were, not, were starved. We treated prisoners fairly well if they were captured by the Continental Army, especially in the North. It was called the spirit of humanity, which John Adams advocated. It was to treat people properly. And that that spirit of humanity, the political spirit of humanity, which was the way that we we politically talked about the revolution, translated in how we fought on the battlefield. And I think that that's incredibly important today. One of the, the overlay to all of this is something we talked about at the beginning, that this was not a foregone conclusion, that the Continental Army would be successful, that this could have gone at any number of points, as you talk about, a different way. It's it's a situation, I mean, most Americans just take the American Revolution for granted. Like, this is something that, oh, you know, there's a few early battles where things could have gone wrong, and you know, maybe it didn't work. No, this is a situation that has... Shades of a, I mean, this was an American Civil War. There was foreign intervention all over the place with the French, etc. And these powers, there wasn't an unlimited amount of money. They were not going to continue to fund this thing, especially the French, if things went bad. And in the Battle of Camden, for instance, after we lost that, there was talk of a negotiated peace between France and and Great Britain, much like what we're trying, we're seeing in Syria today, for instance, where. The, you know the great powers are trying to come together and and solve that uh, problem. And you know, foolishly, many of the, the the groups that are fighting the war are not even included in the peace peace process. Um, so you know, it, it, it's similar in the American Revolution where there was talk of all these things, and and it was that way all the way up until the bitter end. And there was a chance that many of the colonies actually would have gone if, if the Great Britain, for instance, had tried to negotiate peace with each colony. It's possible parts of the South would have gone towards the uh, the crown. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that that could have gone wrong, and it's a situation where Great Britain had won pretty much every insurrection that it had ever gotten involved in. And you know, the book captures the story. Washington's Immortals captures the story of not only the Maryland line but also the Great officers and men and 
Britain's forces. For instance, Cornwallis, who everybody thinks of as this disgraced leader, was incredibly heroic. Always, he was like Washington, typically up front, leading many of the counterattacks in battles, and was sat, would willing to, willingly sacrifice for his men. And you know, one of the things that I found so interesting is Cornwallis's stature actually rises after the American Revolution, and he conquers India. And he's such a he, he believes in his men. He he wins a war chest of seventy thousand pounds, which you know, in today's dollars is a, a Bill Gates-sized fortune. And instead of keeping it, he gives it to his men. He's a, you know, these, these, you know, it's just an interesting, a lot of nuance that most people have no clue about the American Revolution. It's why it's so important today. Talk a little bit about the research that you engaged in and uncovering all of this and, and really what some of the source material was. Many people, I had experts that have written, professors in the, uh, of the American Revolution, experts, that when we submitted the book proposal to publishing houses, they would send the proposal over to the experts to see if it, could be, it was possible to even write it. And there was some serious doubt um, because they, there was just doubt that the source materials actually existed. I spent six years uncovering this hidden war and it was I went all over the world looking at diaries and letters and the hidden source for me was uh, these pension applications and what a pension application was is if you were lucky enough to survive the American Revolution if you're a soldier that had fought during the war you could go down to the local courthouse and swear under oath what you did and this is the hidden war of the American Revolution Washington's Immortals is made up of a lot of these pension files of the privates and the sergeants that were in the toughest of the fight. And it's their words that they recall what they did in each of these major battles. And I, I just, there's so many um, beautiful um, accounts that you will not see in any other book inside of Washington's Immortals that just, it brings, it resonates, it brings this war to a much more intimate understanding. It's a, um, you're in the shoes or boots, or in most cases, the bare feet of the men that marched and fought throughout most of the major battles of the war. How did it change your own personal perspective and your own views of what you thought had transpired during the Revolution? Well, for one, I, um, I'm, I've written seven books on World War II. I've interviewed 5,000 World War II veterans. I I, many of them are my friends. Many of them have passed away, sadly. I believe, with all sincerity, that the American Revolution generation is the greatest generation because of the sacrifice that they endured. The fact that many of the men that were fighting there for eight years never received any payment, or they received payment and it was stolen in terms of land grants and stuff like that, that officers or other people gobbled up, they were crippled in many cases. Some of the men, these rich men from Baltimore, went into bankruptcy. And in that day and age, if you were a bank, if you didn't pay your debts, you could actually go to debtor's prison, and that's what happened. I just was blown away by the enormous sacrifice and the fact that it was unpopular. It was an unpopular war in many cases, and just what they had to endure to to, to make this happen is, in my view, makes them the greatest generation. 
and I just was so interested in in just the many many aspects that I had covered, and I and I also saw the parallels. I looked at the war not only as a conventional fight, but uniquely as a insurgency. And this is where my training from uh, I was a combat historian in Iraq. And, and I've just seen, and I've done a lot of counterinsurgency type stuff. I looked at the the war differently than most historians, and brought it into another, trying to understand how the British viewpoint as well, as well as our our viewpoint, and and put in in an unbiased manner as much as possible. I wanted to to tell both stories, and um, and really bring in the human. Uh, element of it, and, and, and it's a story. It, it reads very cinematically. Patrick O'Donnell, the book is Washington's Immortals, the untold story of an elite regiment who changed the course of the revolution. Patrick, it is always a pleasure. I thank you so much for spending time with us. Jeff, thank you very much for uh, for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you.